0: We've been, as many of you know, we've been going this month through characters of Christmas, and there there are so many more characters of Christmas than what we'll go through uh, this year. Um, I won't be here on uh, the 30th. Uh, Johnny will be leading the service on on the 30th. But, uh, so I'll be concluding tomorrow, uh, next uh, Thursday on uh, Christmas, next Sunday on Christmas Eve. Goodness gracious. I'll get it out eventually. But, uh, you know, we started off with an elderly couple who was under reproach for not being able to have children. Uh, Elizabeth was barren. And God, for whatever reason, in his own divine wisdom, God allowed them to go through that all the way to their advanced years when, from a practical and, and uh, normal uh, sense, they could not have children. Then God miraculously blessed them to have children. After a lifetime of reproach, God did it when everyone thought it too late to happen. And that showed us that no matter what season of life you're in, right, God's good news is for you. It's never too late for God to do what he's promised he will do. Amen. It may not come in our time, but we have to yield to God and allow him to do what he wants to do in his own timing. And it all works together for our good. Amen. And so that, that was an older couple under reproach. And then we looked at Mary and Joseph last week, a young couple. Just starting out in life, got their whole future ahead of them, you know and and we talk about we, we talk about circumstances in life and all those things that are that are out of our control. Um, what I love about the gospel story is it is evidence of the fact that god 's will takes place regardless of the circumstances in life. God's will, God can use even people who don't know him, who don't walk with him, who don't worship him. He uses them to affect his plans. When the time came in God's divine wisdom for the savior of the world to be born, Mary and Joseph didn't live in Bethlehem. But God had the powers that be called for a census that required you to go they go to the place of your, uh, of your family, the place of your origin, which required Joseph to go to Bethlehem, even though his wife was very pregnant. It wasn't just by happenstance that this census was called. God moved on them, on, uh, on the authorities to do it because it was time for the Messiah to be born and the chess pieces had to be moved into place so that prophecy could be fulfilled, identifying the Messiah through fulfillment of prophecy. And so that's why I don't worry. I don't worry who's in the White House. I don't worry who runs Congress. I don't care who's got gavels and judges and I don't care who's in the Supreme Court. I don't care about any of that stuff because I know who's on the throne, right? And I I know what the Bible says, so I'm not afraid of things. You know, there are are things to be concerned about, and we got to do the, the, we got to play our part, be responsible citizens and whatnot. But I am not running in fear of anything, right? Because I know my Redeemer lives, and I know all powers in the palm of His hand. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He knows the end from the beginning, Right And all things, everything has been put under the authority of Jesus Christ. Amen. So it doesn't matter if I don't like it. It doesn't matter how rough it is. If it's allowed, God allowed it. And if I incline myself to him, I can see God's purpose in it. Eventually, he'll reveal that to me. And he'll reveal it to me what he requires of me in this season, in this moment. Despite these circumstances, what does God want me to do? Because the kingdom still has to advance. There are people in darkness that still need to be snatched out of darkness. There are people who are being deceived that still need to know the light of his truth. And so we need not be so focused on the circumstances around us that we lose sight. Of what God is calling us to, and what He is doing in this world, and what He wants us to do in response to Him, Amen. Amen. So I just I just wanted to uh, wanted to say that, and I'll start off today. You know, we're in Luke, but I'm starting off today with Isaiah chapter seven, verse fourteen. It's one verse in a very rich passage but it's a prophetic verse about the birth of Jesus about the birth of the Messiah Isaiah says in chapter 7 verse 14 therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign behold the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel some people get confused by this but Let's just take it one step at a time. Many centuries before Jesus came, God spoke through Isaiah that he who would be the Messiah would be born from a virgin. The virgin will give birth to him. She shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. the, the Emmanuel means God with us. And we've got to remember or consider, <laughs> uh, if you've not considered this before, you've got prophets who are seeing, God, who, who God's pulling back the curtain of the future and giving them glimpses of what's going to happen. And sometimes they can state something literally and describe it Even in their times, whatever the limitations of language was, they can describe it and they're right on point. But sometimes they're just describing as best they can as they see it. He's seeing in the vision that God is giving him literally, God come from heaven, God with us. He wasn't saying that that was going to be the name given to the child. He is basically telling us that God is going to come from heaven. Heaven and be born of a virgin in order to redeem us. The virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and he shall be called Emmanuel. And you know, Jesus, when talking to his disciples, and he's like, and they were like, show us the Father. And we'll be convinced. He's like, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Scripture says that in him, in Christ Jesus, dwelled the fullness of the Godhead in bodily form. He was literally God with us. And so so going back to chapter 2 of Luke, I uh, start in the first verse, well, not in the eighth verse, but the first seven verses details the fulfillment of that prophecy. I won't rehash it because last week we talked about the angel Gabriel and he visiting young Mary, telling her that she was going to have the Messiah then he visited Joseph, because whatever conversation they had, he obviously didn't believe her when she said that she was pregnant by divine, by God's divine work. But it showed his character and that he was minded to, he had a mind to divorce her quietly so as not to make an open spectacle of her. But make no mistake about it, he was cutting the tie. And I told you last week what she knew she was saying yes to. She knew by saying yes, there was going to be talk. There was going to be reproach. There was going to be suspicion. She was saying yes to a lifetime of that because she, in faith, believed that this was God's call in her life, and she was willing to undertake that for the honor of giving birth to the Lord. And when he was minded to divorce her, the angel spoke to Joseph in a dream, saying, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. That which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. In other words, she did not lie to you. And both of them being of the lineage and household of David, both of them knowing the word of God, both of them living lives in continual surrender to God knew that what was being told to them lined up with Scripture. And despite the whispers that would come, despite the scrutiny that would come, both of them said, yes, Lord, Joseph married her anyway. These are young people. You're not too young. Just because you're young doesn't mean you have a junior Holy Spirit. Even though you're young, you have the fullness of the the Lord in you. You have the same Holy Spirit that I have. You're not too young to do great things for God. God has a call and a purpose for your life. And it's up to you to say yes to that call and that purpose. And so Mary and Joseph said yes, and here we are. Starting at the 8th verse, I'll read through verse 20. There, yes. Yes. Which followed the yes of Zechariah and Elizabeth. Finds its way in a field. Verse 8. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field. Keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy. You know what? Say that with me. Good news of great joy. That will be for all the people. The good news is for all people. Amen? For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. You know, I want to point out something that is not evident in Scripture. But there are many resources that bear this out. Though scripture is filled with many examples of the noble image of the shepherd, you know, David was a shepherd called by God to be, to be king of Israel and shepherd God's people. Jesus is the good shepherd. There are many terms in the Bible that shows at one time the profession of shepherd was a, a noble and honored uh, position or profession. But over time, it ceased to be so. By the time Jesus entered the world, when Jesus was born, the Jews did not have a high opinion of shepherds. In fact, it was quite the opposite. When Jesus entered the world, religious leaders looked so down on shepherds that they basically classified them in the same category as uh, tax collectors and sinners. Would not allow them to participate in religious ceremonies in the temple. They were the outcasts of society. A once noble profession had become downcast and uh, looked down upon by the establishment, by the religious establishment and by society in general. And I'll I'll expound on this later, but isn't it interesting? It, it, It just moves me that we're talking outcasts we're talking people who are looked down upon who can't even go into the temple and worship god is the very ones that god sent the message sent the notification they're the first ones to hear about the birth of jesus again this gospel is for everybody are you hearing me today Not only was the Messiah to be born via virgin birth, uh, prophesied and fulfilled in Jesus, but the, but the location of his birth was also prophesied in Micah 5, verse 2, which says, But you, O Bethlehem, Ephratah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one, who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. Again, that's a verse, one verse, not a lengthy verse, but it says a lot. In this verse, Micah announced that Israel would be humbled in the first verse, would be humbled by foreign powers. And that, and that uh, time of humili- humiliation under foreign powers at that time, God would raise up a great ruler in Israel who would be born in a humble place called Bethlehem. now, This, they're living in that time under Roman rule. They have been seized. They have been taken by a foreign power. That foreign power calls the shots and dictates their, dictates their lives. Puts restrictions and limitations and, and conditions on the way they can live and, and in some ways on the way they can worship. It's interesting that it was prophesied. I don't even know if they knew that. Uh, I don't know if they even knew that uh, in the days that that prophecy uh, was given. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and read verse 1, even though I only only gave y'all verse 2. I'm sorry about that. But listen to me as I read verses 1 and 2. It says, now muster your troops, O daughter of troops. Siege is laid against us. So, we, the people of God have been laid siege, so they've been taken control of. With the rod, they strike the judge of Israel on the cheek. But you, O Bethlehem Ephratah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel. So it tells us that at a time... That nobody in Israel wants to suffer. Nobody wants that. Nobody wants to hear what happened in verse one. You don't want to live under those conditions. It's prophesied they're going to live under those conditions, but in those conditions, in one of the most humble places, God's going to raise up a savior. In it, you know, uh, having a sports background, it, it it just reminds me so much. So many times. Our coaches, no matter what sport, no matter uh, no matter what sport or what season was in, it was always preached adversity and what it takes to overcome adversity. We're always taught to be prepared for adversity and to not be swallowed up by it, but to learn from it, grow from it, let it strengthen you, and you overcome it, right? We do not allow it to defeat us. Well, Adversity hit Israel, but God said out of that adversity, it's going to come glory. And oftentimes we want to, you know, we don't, who wants to go through that stuff? But some of the worst experiences in life ended up being the best things for me. And it wasn't until I was on the back end of those things that I really, truly appreciated in full and thank God with gusto for letting me go through those things and for carrying me and leading and guiding me through those things. I became something that I wasn't having experienced those things. And that's part of growing in the Lord. Amen. Amen. The testing of our faith, the trying, the trials of life, all of that. We don't want them. We don't rejoice in them but i tell you what if we can look past the uncomfortableness if we can look past the difficulties and 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 look to the fruit that it can and will produce we can rejoice over that because as surely as the adversity came the glory will come if we endure if we keep the faith if we persevere If we keep looking to the Lord and allow the Lord to lead us in the way that we should go, amen? Amen. The glory will surely come. So, um, I know I can get wordy, but uh, I just trust that everything said is uh, God inspired. And if you don't think so, keep it to yourself. (laughs) All right. Now, now, Bethlehem is the hometown of the great King David. Israel's greatest king. You would think the history, the significance of that town and who was born or, or who lived in that town, you know, who was held from that town, you would think it would be one of the most influential, it would turn into one of the largest and most influential places, but it became a tiny thing. It was little among the thousands in Judah, yet God chose it, that little humble place, as the birthplace of the Messiah you know i was born in a small town you know we those of us born in small towns you you think certain things can't happen in a small town you know you know you when you tell people where you're from you immediately want to tie to a big city that everybody knows right because you don't think people would know about the little town that you hail from you know but uh, it doesn't matter where you hail from it doesn't matter how big or small your city is if God has marked your life there's no limit to the impact that you can have for his kingdom but I want to get even a little deeper than that it said the Messiah was to be born in Bethlehem anybody know what Bethlehem means? It means house of bread, house of bread. what did Jesus Jesus said about himself in Matthew six verse thirty five he said of himself, I am the bread of life. Isn't it amazing what God I mean you know when we get into the Word of God, we see these dots connect. He's born in Bethlehem, the house of bread. He refers to himself as the bread of life in Matthew 6, uh, verse 35. But it says, Bethlehem of Ephratah. Ephratah means abundance. In some contexts, it means fruitfulness. But uh, fruitfulness and abundance. I chose abundance here because Jesus also said that you shall have life. He came so that we might have life and have it more abundantly. Jesus, the bread of life, born in the house of bread, that there might be abundant life given through faith in Jesus Christ. He also said in John 10, verse 10, that the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But Jesus said of himself, I came that they may have life and have it more abundantly. I wanted to give the scripture reference. I got out a little ahead of myself earlier there. And I want to continue along that thread. Uh, In verse 2, it says of the coming ruler in Israel, the Messiah, Jesus Christ, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. In other words, he existed before the time in which he was born. He existed from ancient days, from times of old. John the Baptist said, that he who came after him was before him, was greater than him because he came before him. Speaking of the deity of Jesus, it's existed well before time. John speaks of that in John chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. So we see Jesus being fully Son of Man and fully Son of God, being fully man, fully deity. He existed at the beginning. Not anything that's made on this planet, not anything that's made in this universe was made without him. He is preeminent in all things. So uh, Jesus even fulfills that. And Micah said that he would be from old, from ancient days, that basically he was there from the beginning, from the, from the beginning, from the time of creation. I want to stay in John John chapter 17, and I'm going to skip through two verses, verse 5 and verse 24. And I tell you what, if you don't, this is one of my favorite passages of Scripture, chapter 17, Jesus' prayer to the Father. Uh, I tell you what, it, it, it is something that I would encourage you uh, and challenge you uh, to really spend some time reading and meditating on and letting the Lord speak to you through it. Uh, But I'll highlight verse 5 and verse 24. Jesus says, as he's praying to the Father, And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. He's from ancient days. He's from the time of old. He's from before time, as we know it. Born of a virgin, human flesh, yet divinely existing from everlasting to everlasting. He's God. Later on in that prayer, verse 24, he says, Father, I desire that they also, he's speaking of us, whom you have given me may be with me where I am. To see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. You see, Jesus is not just a man, he is a part of the eternal Godhead. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He's God with us, Emmanuel. Amen. Amen. And that God sent an angel. Out into the field, if you can picture it, you know, shepherds, it says they were out in the field with their flock, sleeping out in the elements. I don't know how cold or how warm it is, but in the still of night, they're probably resting their head on big rocks, they're probably laying on the ground. They probably need showers. They probably look disheveled, unkempt. Because, hey, who needs to look all prim and proper when your job is out in the elements and you are herding sheep and you're sleeping on the ground uh, and, and guarding them and defending them from would-be predators and all of those things. And yet, in the middle of the night, God skips by palaces he skips by temples. He skips by law chambers and all those things. And, and he, he, he skips by nobles and dignitaries and goes out to this field with these disheveled looking, who knows how they look. I can tell you they, they, they didn't look all that great. Went out to a field. To these outcasts with a message from him who is from everlasting to everlasting. He, they were outcasts to society, but they weren't outcast to God. They were looked down upon by society, but they weren't looked down on by God. They did not have a place of honor in society, but they had a place of honor from God. See, your beginnings, you can be of humble beginnings and still have great things in store for you from the Lord. But by contrast, you could have everything going for you and feel, you know, feel like you're on top of the world and feel like you're superior to people and have nothing going for you. You can accomplish a lot of things and get glory in the eyes of men, but uh, hear me when I tell you that only what you do for Christ will last. Only what you do in the Lord will last. Heaven and earth shall pass away and everything in them. But the word of God will not pass away. Treasures on this earth can be stolen, they can be corrupted. But we in Christ can lay up treasures in heaven that thieves can't steal, that can't erode or decay. You know, there's accomplishments and and treasures on this world that we can accumulate them, but we cannot take them with us into eternity. But what we do for God, what we do in obedience to him, he lays up treasures in heaven that won't decay. That can't be taken away. What you do for God will last. I can't guarantee you that man will remember it. But I can guarantee you that God will. And he will do what he has promised. He is a promise keeper. Amen. Amen. So. The final scripture, and then I'll close. I, I didn't want to have a whole lot to go other than to tie some of these, pro- these prophecies, a couple of these prophetic scriptures. I wanted to point out to you that this continuing theme of the characters of Christmas, how they were viewed by man, and despite that, God used them. Their personal limitations, very young, very old, outcast. They had personal limitations, barren, a virgin, engaged to a woman and she ends up pregnant and you know it's not yours, right? And God's calling you to this. All these things can be, could be excuses to turn away. Abandon what you know to be right and true in the Lord and, and give up church and, and, and do your own thing and say, that stuff's not real, that's not legit, and I'm going to do my own thing. All that could be excuses, but these people knew their God. And even though it didn't make sense, they yielded to God and said, yes, when it was difficult, when it was hard, when there was sacrifice involved. And, I, and, and that's the message I want us to take out of all of these things. You, you know... You may come from different sides of the track. You may have different paths in life. And each of life, each path has its own challenges. Each path has its own hurdles. Each of us have our own issues and limitations and whatnot. But yielded to God, we all have a role to play. God has a purpose and plan for all of us. And in some ways we can relate to each other. Some ways we can't fully relate. But we all have the same responsibility before God. Wherever we are right now, God, I give myself to you. Whatever you're calling me to right now, God, I yield to you in that. I give you my yes. Whatever difficulty is involved, whatever, uh, when I say yes, I don't say yes just hoping for the best. I say yes saying come what will, come what may. We sometimes fantasize or glorify these stories, but there are hard truths and hard realities depicted in these stories. And, uh, you know, th- there are examples here <laughs> that if we see them, we embrace them and we model them, we'll see God move in our lives and in our time, just like we see him moving in the Bible. Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. John, Chapter One, starting at the sixth verse, says There was a man sent from God whose name was John. Remember, he's the son of Elizabeth and uh, Zechariah. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. Speaking of Jesus. Jesus. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, this is what I really love, but to all who did receive him, receive Christ Jesus as faith uh, by faith as your personal Lord and Savior, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become, Children of God. So by faith, we are children of God in Christ Jesus. Who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. We've been born again. Divinely so. By faith in Christ Jesus our Lord. So in conclusion, and and to recap, God announced the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, to a group of shepherds, people who were social outcasts in society. Somebody here today may feel like a social outcast. Well, I hope you realize that is not a, uh, that, that does not unqualify you or not disqualify you to God. As a matter of fact, it might qualify you <laughs> uh, in God's eyes. If you'll remember, I said the religious authorities of the temple had such a strongly negative view of shepherds that they kept them from participating in the important religious ceremonies. Think about that. They're the first people to get the message of the birth of the Messiah. And we're told that the first people to whom God announced the birth of Jesus were those who could not even enter the temple and worship God. There's, it seems that there is an intentionality there. God is really driving something home. He could have sent that message to anybody, but he sent it to outcasts in a field tending sheep he's driving home the point that this gospel message is, is intended to be good news for any and everybody who would but humble themselves and place their faith in Christ Jesus other than his father and mother, who were in the manger with him. Those social outcast shepherds were the first to hear about the birth of Jesus, the first to behold Jesus with their own eyes, the first to worship Jesus. And they were the first humans to proclaim the good news that the Savior of the world was born. Come on now. How great is our God and how deep is his love for us? You know, uh, this salvation that we have, this salvation of the Lord that is in, in and through Christ Jesus, as I've said before, it cannot be earned. It is the gift of God. It is the result of God choosing to love us. So much so that He paid the personal sacrifice in order to make a way for redemption for us. Truly, the birth of Jesus is good news for all people, the young, the old, the rich, the poor and the social outcasts so be encouraged this season remember as we celebrate Christmas and hey who 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 doesn't love to give gifts it's a blessing to be able to afford to get gifts and to give gifts to express your love in that way who doesn't love to receive gifts you know I'm not going to vilify that, you know, and talk about the uh, commercialization of Christmas and all those, you know, it's, a, it, it's blessed to give, it's blessed to receive and, and and whatnot. And so that's not the issue. To me, the issue is that we we don't want to fail to remember, fail to prioritize and take full advantage of and proclaim to those, to as many as we can, the greatest gift given to mankind in the person of Jesus Christ. Because that's why we sing, right? That's why we celebrate Christmas, the birth of the Lord and Savior of the world, Jesus Christ. The day we celebrate the birth of the one that God gave. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth on him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might what might be saved. Might be saved. Hallelujah, that's Christmas. That's good news. Amen? That's good news. And those of us who have placed our faith in Christ, it's the gift that keeps on giving. It's the gift that keeps giving in this life and in the one to come. And, oh, God, we thank you and we praise you. Hallelujah. And I'm going to ask you to stand. And I'm going to ask you to respond to this good news. If you're here today and you don't have a relationship, a real relationship with Jesus Christ, maybe you're the outcast. Doesn't matter if you're young or old and you're here today and maybe you screwed up a lot of opportunities in life and and you're here today because there's you've exhausted all other options you've tried everything else and you're not sure if God wants you but you're hoping I I pray that you've been convinced this morning That God has loved you your entire life. He knew you when you were in your mother's womb. You were fearfully and wonderfully made. He had a purpose and plan for your life before you even knew there was a God. And that he has marked you to be reconciled to him despite the fact that you've been living your life without regard for him the love of god is beyond comprehension he wants you he loves you he sent his son to die on the cross for your sins and you have an opportunity today right now to have the slate wiped clean to have the blood of jesus wash away the sins of your past and to wash you whiter than snow, and to make you a child of God, a redeemed, beloved child of God whose name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And when your time on this earth is done, you will spend eternity in heaven with him. All because when the opportunity was given, when the God who loved you so much that he gave his only begotten son for you to pay your sin debt, that he might be reconciled to you, when he offered you the gift of salvation, you received it. You received his son, Jesus Christ. So I want to give you that opportunity. If you're here today, And you've either, and you've not known Christ, here's your opportunity to get right with Him. To bow the knee, to repent before Him, and declare Him Lord and Savior of your life. Don't let this opportunity pass. Today is the day of salvation. Right now, Is the time to be reconciled to God. That is his heart for you. Uh, If you're here today, maybe you've backslidden, maybe you've gone astray for a while, and maybe you're here because it's Christmas season, but God has a deeper and more profound reason for you to be here. He wants you. To walk with him in spirit and in truth, he wants you to be right with him again. Please come and take advantage of this opportunity that heaven might rejoice in your life, be transformed and blessed. And you set on a path that God has marked out out for you that has great purpose and a wonderful future for you. Hallelujah. Father God, we thank you for your good news. We thank you that we can rejoice in Christ. And Father, I think all of us to some degree can relate to what it feels like to be an outcast and and Lord, just like you visited those shepherds, you visited us at just the right time in our lives. And you made yourself real to us. You made your You made the gospel message resonate in our hearts and it compelled us to place our faith and trust in you through Christ Jesus. And Father God, we have tasted and we have seen that you are good. All the time you are good. And Lord, let us be inspired by those outcasts that we saw in today's story, the shepherds. When the angels finished talking and the heavenly host finished singing and praising glory to God, uh, giving glory to God, they said, Let us go and see this thing that we've been told about. They acted, they believed, and they acted. They didn't let their perceptions of themselves or how society viewed them stop them from acting on the truth that they had been told. They acted, and by acting, they became vessels of honor that were used by you, Lord. Pivotal, impactful characters in the Christmas story. The benefits they received... They got to see you on the night that you were born. They got to see you with their own eyes. They got to praise you. They got to tell the story, the good news, the gospel that you gave them and their story is still being told today. Their gospel message is still, the gospel message is still being told today. Their role as characters in the Christmas story is still being read. It is still moving us and inspiring us today. There's a many a religious leader who are footnotes in history, but These shepherds, these unnamed shepherds, their faith and obedience to you has impacted countless lives throughout the generations and has played a role in many people coming to faith in Christ Jesus. Father God, I pray for that kind of impact for us. Because the gospel is still needed. The world is still suffering and walking in darkness. And the light of your gospel, the light of the life of Jesus Christ is needed to give hope and inspiration. And bring people who are currently under condemnation and faith in Christ, where they can be counted amongst the beloved. Father, I pray this humbly in Jesus' name. I thank you. Amen. 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 Hallelujah.